Hello and welcome to CBO Speaks. I'm your host, Donna Sheely, and happy to have you with us on today. Today, we are joined with Kelly Showmaker, Vice President for Business and Finance and CFO of Auburn University in Alabama. Hi, Kelly. Welcome. Hi, Donna. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. So glad that you're with us today. So, Kelly, how long have you been at Auburn? I have been at Auburn uh, next month, six years. Wow, that's a long time. So tell us your journey to that led you to Auburn. I will. I'll actually start with my, I guess, my whole career journey. Uh, I didn't start out to be in higher education. That was not an intentional path, uh, truly by chance. Uh, I began my career like uh, most uh, students of accountancy right out of college at a big four, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, spent a number of years there and then went in-house to uh, one of my clients to be a public officer and investment company and was there for eight years. And then uh, my husband actually took a position with a law firm in College Station, Texas, back in 1995. And uh, the small town, as most big SEC schools are located in rural communities, there weren't a lot of things for someone from a public company to do. So um, I actually was enticed uh, by a department head who had been my department head when I was a student at Texas A&M to come in and teach accountancy. And so I began my career as a faculty member and did that for a couple of years, a wonderful experience in the role I have now gives you a lot of perspective of what a faculty member goes through. Um, so I, I love having that path. Um, after a few years, the higher administration at Texas A&M found out that I was there and came calling and asked for me to consider uh, administrative roles at the institution. So um, I did so. And now 25 years later, I still find myself in higher education. It's been a wonderful path. Um, I highly, highly encourage anyone who thinks they want to go down that path to do so. Awesome. First of all, we all know that Auburn is a huge institution. What Tell everyone what is all under your umbrella at Auburn. Under my umbrella as a business and finance, I have direct responsibility for financial reporting, the controller's office, procurement, uh, financial aid, which is a little unique. It finds itself in different areas across different institutions, uh, budget, planning, a couple of auxiliaries, the bookstore. Um, we run uh, two hotels. Uh, the hotels, uh, as business operations, fall under my purview as well. Um, HR reports directly to me, which does include payroll and benefits, as well as all the other um, employment uh, responsibilities that are usually fall under HR. Those are direct reports. And then I find myself with a lot of real indirect reports, because these days, almost everything eventually comes down to what does it cost? Um, so uh, the assistant vice president for facilities and I spend a lot of time together on uh, capital cost. Uh, taking items to the board, making sure our board is comfortable with what a construction project might cost, whether there would be debt involved, whose debt might that be, ours or state, or uh, from our cash reserves, what that might do to the long-range forecast of what it looks like for the institution. So uh, a lot of time uh, with facilities. And then another, uh, uh, several of our auxiliaries that sometimes are associated with my position, such as housing and dining, report directly to our student affairs area, but they are always encouraging me to be involved in their financial forecast as well, uh, setting their um, dining rates, their housing rates, 
making sure they st- also stay on a path to good financial sustainability down the road. Uh, so I find myself getting involved in a lot of areas most of the time that truly aren't uh, direct reports, uh, but part of being the CFO of the institution. So you have a lot on your plate. And what would you say you spend the most time working on? I know you, you just mentioned facilities. Would you say that is where the big chunk of your pie or your time is with facilities? No, actually, I would not. A lot of my time is spent sometimes vis- very visionary with perhaps my president, with perhaps board members. Uh, we're very fortunate at Auburn University that our board, uh, Auburn University is constitutionally created. We have our own board. We are the only institution they're responsible for. But I have 16 wonderful people that wake up every morning with nothing but Auburn University on their minds and ways to make it better. Um, so they will pass along those ideas to myself, to the president. And we really spend quite a bit of time on, you know, what might be possible, the art of the possible. You know, what kind of resources would something like this take? Uh, what if we did invest here? So I, I'm lucky in the fact that uh, we do spend some time not just being uh, transactional and uh, doing the day-to-day, but really getting to spend some time sort of on the dream and the vision. And what is that strategy? What does Auburn University look like in the future? Now, I will tell, tell you that as a co-chair for the COVID operations team, the last couple of years, that really consumed uh, most of my time. I co-chaired that with the provost. Their focus was on the academic side. Mine was on the operational side of the institution. And um, that really had ate away about the last two years of my life. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. So I've seen you use the words COVID recession. Talk to us about that. And do you think the pandemic... Um, accelerated many changes in education? And if so, what are some of the changes that you are seeing and that you're working on? So I have seen over the higher ed landscape, I would say particularly here at Auburn University, but over the higher ed landscape, I have seen, I think, I think a couple of things, uh, COVID, as well as for years, we've been hearing about the enrollment cliff. So I have seen uh, those that thought they might be impacted, particularly by either one, either because the area they're located may be facing uh, a student shortage, uh, headquarters, companies may be moving out of their backyard. Um, there are other reasons that during COVID, and COVID may have been just the last straw, where they really went ahead and, uh, and accelerated plans to become something different to become more certificate-oriented, to move out at four-year space, uh, to become much more online, more um, transformational to an older population. We here at Auburn uh, pride ourselves uh, very much on the historical four-year student experience program. And it is not a program that we see any need to deviate, uh, to differentiate from at this time. We have a very strong and growing, robust application uh, of students every year uh, that we would love to have provide the opportunity to come to Auburn and can't. Uh, when you have to still turn away a you know, 95% of the people that apply to your institution, we we just haven't seen the need to to pivot from that yet. Okay. Well, 
talk to us a little bit about your impact in the city. Um, you are so big. So talk to us about what you provide in terms of charitable giving and things that you provide for the city. Absolutely. So town and gown is extremely important to us. Uh, we are bored on two sides, uh, right across the street from the administration office that I am in is the city of Auburn, Alabama. It is not a large town. It is a small town. We are by far the largest employer. Uh, so it's really important that we take into careful consideration uh, changes that we might make here on this campus and how that might affect the city. So one could be knowing if we chose to grow uh, our enrollment and we didn't provide additional housing, what might that mean to the town? You know, would private investors come in and begin to try to sweep up their land and build additional apartment complexes? The city and we have worked hand in hand to try to make sure that we're providing to our collegiate residents what the city needs to provide to their community. When we make a change to uh, last January, we were very excited to raise our lowest pay scale to the living poverty wage in the, in the county. And the first call I made was to the city manager to make sure that she knew we were going to do that. Because in her mind, that might say, I'm really afraid that I might lose a few people if I'm not in a position to do the same. You know, would they jump ship and go to Auburn and work? So, so we work very hand in hand. Um, I've got a, a lot of people here at Auburn that attend city council meetings. Our facilities folks work hand in hand. You know, we rely many times on being right across the street. Facilities needs to tap into a city water line or a city uh, electric. So we work uh, once a quarter facilities meets with the people they need to meet with at the city to make sure they constantly know what we have in our five to 10 year pipeline, where we might be looking to expand so we can know those kinks going into that knowing that it's uh, difficult. I mean, it probably took a year to navigate putting a new sidewalk uh, at the rear of our president's home. So residences could go down a continuous sidewalk path. And, you know, what was the best time of the year to do that? So we did not disrupt events at his house, at, at the president's home. Um, so it, it's very, very, it's a very good relationship, but it's one that we understand that we need to nurture all the time as best we can. Well, let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about mentorship. First, talk to me about um, a mentor that you have had in your career. And then talk to me, because you've been doing this for some time, about you being a mentor to others. In regards to mentorship, I think a couple of things I've looked from, and I wouldn't particularly call some of them mentors, but as you've gone through your career path, there are individuals you've had the opportunity to run across or maybe work for for a certain period of time that you really recognize things you didn't want to do. I don't want to be that kind of supervisor. I don't want to be that type of boss, as well as things you saw people do that you thought, I always want to remember to do that. Sometimes those mentorships were of actions that I saw that were never official mentorships. But I think it's just always kind of keeping your eyes open to watching how people, particularly early in your career, how they navigate, how they go into a room and who's, you know, thinking about, I'm about to go into this meeting, whose hand do I want to shake first? It's in everything you do at, cert at a certain level sends a message and somebody's watching. 
And so to me, that's really important now as I'm more in the end of my career that um, there are people I, I, I hold um, one of the highest ranking female offices that's ever been attained at Auburn University and that I have women and men watching me navigate this job every single day from how I treat uh, everyone that I meet when I walk into the room, who I thank, you know, I just feel like sometimes you're under a microscope, but in a good way, knowing that these are lessons I have the opportunity now to teach someone about leadership or about how you treat others. I think it's fantastic. I have the privilege of getting to service an advisor to two of our student-only, female-only organizations on campus. And one of the highlights of my life, being a CFO, even though you work in higher ed, there's a lot of days I never see a student. And they just, every time you're with them for five minutes, they bring you back to why you're here, what the mission is. Don't lose sight of that. And then I have to remind myself that they're watching everything I do. I'm setting an example for them. So I try to give back absolutely as much as I can these days and to the people that are under me my direct reports. I mean, I'm training them every day. I joke with them. I might not be here tomorrow. You better know this. You know, let's learn this. If you don't know, let's learn. So I I think it's really important. So let's say we have some new CBOs or those who are thinking of being a CBO listening in. What is a skill you would say, Kelly, um, that you would advise all new CBOs to have as they enter this field? Many CBOs come out of being accountants. Uh, We tend to be very introverted. We tend to be much more comfortable with our spreadsheets than we are communicating to other people. And I think that's one of the things I could tell them is you can never communicate enough. And just because you said it once, that doesn't particularly mean you've communicated something. And that is a skill for many accountants, finance individuals, that we really have to stretch ourselves and learn. Communicate, get out of your office, engage with people. If you want to be successful, you need to go where they are. They are not going to come to you. Go out and ask questions about a process. There's a lot of processes that I oversee that I don't use. And unless someone tells you there's an issue or a problem, uh, you may never know if they don't bring it to your attention. And they're probably not going to come into my you know, office right here across from the president and tell me. So really learn to get out of your comfort zone and really stretch yourself. And I think that's probably a big key to success. That's huge. Thank you for that. We know hindsight is twenty twenty. but what is something you've done as a CBO that you wish you could have done a little differently? You know, I think I might have learned the hard way about how important shared governance was. If your background does not bring you straight to higher ed, but you come from corporate America, where you're really used to a decision being made at the top and handed down. So you kind of come into that environment and you think you're just going to make this decision and it's handed down. And it does not work that way in higher education. Higher education is very democratic. Everyone needs to get involved. Everyone has a voice. You need to hear all those voices. And I think it takes you a little while to understand there's a benefit to that as well. Um, You know, kind of back to that last conversation. If you don't hear their voices, how do you really know it's the best decision? And you work in an institution with a lot of smart people. That's a lesson I think, you know, you probably, I had the hard way coming in, not growing up in higher ed. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think the future looks like in higher ed? What are you looking forward to? I mean, you've been doing this for a little bit now, and obviously the the changes with COVID and post-pandemic. So what do you, what would you say the future of higher ed is? And, and you personally, what are you looking forward to? You know, I think I still would like to be realistic enough to believe that any student has accessibility to higher education. But I say that knowing that it is not an entitlement. It is still a privilege. It is a privilege. And it shouldn't be taken lightly. And so whatever path we come up with in this country, my vision is that that it truly, uh, whether that's affordability, whether that is access, uh, that we come up with more creative ways to make higher education available to everyone that chooses that path. I do agree it is not for everyone. We should not cookie cut young people growing up today to think that is the path they should choose. Uh, but for those that do, uh, it is a privilege and we ought to make sure that we find them a path. And you personally, what do you see your future uh, in higher ed and in this position? I love my position here at Auburn. Um, it has been a fantastic opportunity for me to be here. At this moment, I envision, uh, you know, my life here, uh, finishing out my career, uh, but my career in higher ed. As everyone says, you need to prepare. We prepared for 22 years to go into the workforce. So I'm beginning to think about how do I best prepare myself one day for retirement? You know, what do I want that to look like? What do I want it to be? Uh, if I still want to work, is that in higher ed? Is that in uh, a different area? Uh, knowing I had experiences in other areas before. But right now, I'm very happy doing what I do. Very happy helping a new president. A uh, new president as of, uh, I think he's been here two and a half months now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, enjoying that time with him uh, to be his advisor, to to vision, to uh, strategize with him about what the future of Auburn looks like. So that's my future right now. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy the role. Do you think you would go back into the classroom as an instructor? I think that one day at retirement, I might. I miss it a lot. I really had fun. Uh, I'll never, rem- I'll never forget. I um, when the department chair called me and said, "We hear you're here. Would you like? Uh, you know, I'd love to talk for to talk to you about coming to teach a class." And I thought, I am not a teacher. That College of Education is over there across the street. And uh, he said, no, he goes, I, I just want our students to see real experiences. And the, he allowed me to bring, I mean, I really brought experiences into the classroom. You know, when it was time to talk about inventory, I could bring it to their level. I brought uh, cases of beer and gallons of milk. And uh, it was it was really fun. It was fun to see the lights go off in their heads, you know, and then catch a concept or catch a theory. And then begin to apply it, and uh, it was a lot of satisfaction in that that um, you you don't get every day. Uh, like I said before, I'm, I miss I miss the students. It's great we've got a couple student workers here in the president's office, and uh, I love to just go out and chat with them every once in a while, see what's going on, and what are they doing this weekend, and what events are going on around the campus, and yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting for them. Oh yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, do you have any final thoughts for us, Kelly? You know, I think one thing I would say 
you asked me about a lesson to, to younger uh, CBOs as well is, uh, it takes you a little while to realize that you are in a position where someone is looking for you to tell them the truth. And that means, I mean, right now I work with five great senior leaders that we can sit around the table and we will take, hey, I don't think that's the best plan. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that path and here's why. Because we trust each other to know that the end of that hour, we will actually have a better product. And I think it takes a little while in your career to realize somebody's actually paying you to do that. They don't pay you to agree with them. And, you know, we're, we're all at our best. If COVID didn't teach us anything, we are at our best when we're tested. I think it takes you, that's another lesson I think it takes a little while to learn. And how would you say that you build that trust? Because sometimes people may have a hard time with that. What are some ways that people can build that trust? Being comfortable, doing things outside the office, everything doesn't have to be learning about people. I've worked for bosses before that don't even know that you have children. You know, they never have just general conversations to learn someone, to get to know someone. And I think those conversations, I think they didn't want to have them because they wanted to build that bridge of maybe I'm always right. And I think a good leader says, I want to learn more about you to invest in you and that you feel comfortable investing in me. I think that that's um, it's something to look for. If, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have that, I'd say it might be something you want to look for. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. Very insightful, Kelly. This was really great. Thank you so much for joining us on CBO Speaks. We appreciate your time. You're welcome. You can find out more about today's episode by visiting podcasts at nakubo.org under professional development. Then click online education. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Kelly Showmaker from Auburn University, I want to thank you for joining us on CBO Speaks. I'm Donna Sheely. Be well.